0: It's happy hour again from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour as part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com, brought to you in part by the Pearl Wine Company from uh, the American Can Company in Mid-City. They're open from noon till midnight every day, except Sundays, when they're open from noon till 8 p.m. And brought to us also by Petite Pet Care, dog walking and pet sitting, Loving care when you're not there. More information can be found at PetitePetCare.com or 309pet. And if you're an iPhone user, do you guys have an iPhone? all of you yes, everybody's an iphone yep. user 100 iphone users at the table today check out the new podcast app called swell it's the pandora of podcast apps it Ooh. actually goes out and finds stuff that you're going to like and plays it for you it really is good when you walk into a bar in new orleans and pull up a bar stool you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you what you do know is no matter what they look like what they're wearing whether they just got out of limo or just got out of jail they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's new orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common, other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, In this case, Casa Borrega on Aretha Castle Haley. Bordavar- hey, hey! <laughs> on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard in Central City. Casa Borrega is how would you describe it? It's a restaurant, it's a bar, it's a live music venue. You can come down here and have a cocktail, have some awesome food, or just come out and hang out with us for happy hour once a week, which is where we are right now. My guests that around the table here at happy hour today are in this particular order, Della Hassel. Hello, Della. Hello. Hello. Della is a journalist and producer, recently returned to her native New Orleans after a decade in New York City where she was a professional dancer before stumbling. That can't be what it's supposed to say. Before stumbling into journalism. And landing a job at the New York Daily News. Thank you. In New York, Della also wrote for the Super cool Insider News site DNAinfo.com. Here in New Orleans, Della writes regularly about charter schools and death penalty issues. That's a strange combination. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not that Charters,
0: isn't that strange? Charter <laughs> schools and death penalty. Maybe in New Orleans that's not so strange. We'll get onto that in a minute. For The Lens, which is an investigative news website. Della is the sole journalist for the Mid-City Messenger, an online neighbourhood news site. And her work also appears in the New Orleans Advocate, Gambit Weekly, Louisiana Weekly, NOLA.com, and on WWNO, the local power station. You are a busy person. Yep. Does all those people pay like next to nothing or something? <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> I can't comment or on that. Or are you super wealthy? <laughs> I'm not super wealthy. No. So you have
0: to do all that just to make a living in New Orleans?
2: I do it because all those news organizations have something different to offer.
0: Oh, no, they do? Yeah. Well, we have to work our way through those in the... Next 60 minutes. Dr. Charles Chamberlain is sitting to my left. Hello, hey, Dr. what's Chamberlain. going on? How are you doing? I'm not feeling too well. You're not. Are you that sort of a doctor? No, I'm not. No, I didn't think so. I am a PhD. Dr. <laughs> Charles Chamberlain is a true what I really do, New Orleanian. Charles is the president of Historia, a New Orleans-based business which provides professional history consulting and museum services. But what he really does is walk around and talk about music. Charles is the founder of Rock and Nola Tours. He takes folks on music heritage tours of New Orleans. For 10 years, Charles was the museum historian at the Louisiana State Museum. He's the author of the book, Victory at Home, Race and Manpower in the American South during World War II. But what he really does is play guitar with the new Leviathan <laughs> Foxtrot Orchestra and the Dark Water Jazz Band. Yes, sir. Charles, welcome back to Happy Hour. Nice Thank to have you, you back.
3: It. That's great to be here. I love being on the show. It's really fun. And so
0: here's a, Andrew Duhon's text. Who's, mm-hmm. Andrew Duhon is, our, is my you know, constant companion on Happy Hour. He sent me a text. Son of a bitch. I had it in my head it was five to six. I'm sorry I've been out of the game too long. Damn, I'll be there next week. Oh, So, so much for that. Yeah, we Can Andrew. you believe it? Uh, we were looking forward it. to seeing Andrew Blewett. He, yeah. he just came back from the Grammys. I know, too. I wanted we to hear all about the Grammys. Me too.
3: He sent a picture from That's way, 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 way in the nosebleed section. Yeah. Looking down on that auditorium. It was, I don't think you could get further back.
0: Well... That's no, we, don't, we don't know whether he won or lost or anything now. He was up for Best Engineered Album for his album, The Moorings, which is a really, really great album. Yeah, no, they deserved to win. I don't know too much about engineering, but it is a beautiful album. Yeah. But we'll find out next week if he we won. so tune in. that has been a great show. Thanks so much for joining us here on Happy Hour. Chris Lee is here. Chris, hello. Welcome back to Happy Hour. Oh,
4: thanks
5: for having one me. One of
0: my favorite musical guests of all time on Happy Hour. Chris is the singer, frontman, and guitar player for one of the, well, the fourth greatest rock band in the world, actually. Super group behind the Rolling Stones, ACDC, and Super Suckers. This comes... Dang. This comes...
5: Uh, I don't know. It, it was an official report that yeah. we, just, we just stole from the internet. I don't know. Who, who put that out there? That was like... Somebody p- super f- important like the New York the Times. The Ford Foundation sure New York sure. Times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The great lady thinks that.
0: Who are the Super nice. Suckers? And I know ACDC... I don't DC, know. you got the New York Times. Times. So you need to look that up. Somebody can... Chris, can you look that up? For, hey, Dale, if you want to move around, you can move around and sit in Chris's seat. All right. I mean, Chris's seat. um, Andrew's seat seat is not going to be here. Well, you can have the same headphones if you like. It'll just make it more comfortable. There you go. Everyone can spread out. Hey, listen, anyway. So Chris is originally from Anchorage, Alaska, and he and his brother Benji came to New Orleans to get an education at Tulane and ended up as rock stars, playing with Motley Crue, Queens of the Stone Age, drive-by truckers, Alice Cooper, among many others. What a strange story, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Chris is married to white zombie bass player, Sean E. with whom he used to own the hipster bar, The Saint.
5: I like that moniker, hipster bar. Hipster. It is a hipster bar. It, yeah. a hipster it bar. was a hipster. Yeah. It is a hipster bar. Yeah. It just became one recently. It's After too, you sold it. Yeah, it's too. It's much too young for me. I can't go in there now. It's no. it's, it's very much way. I'm the oldest guy there. Yeah, but, but if you
0: owned it, though, you could do whatever you like. You're like, hey, kids, drink yeah. up. I'm making all the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have another one of those mojitos.
5: Enjoy <laughs> your disco dancing, kids. I have a super time. <laughs> Why
0: did you buy it in the first place?
5: Why? Why? Uh, we had a f- we had a friend uh, Rio who who owns a couple bars in town, and he was we had been talking about making bars, and it was a strange coincidence. My wife called him at the very moment he was in this bar checking it out to buy it, and, wow. and he instead bought Pals hmm. uh, in Mid City. Yeah. So he was he couldn't afford to do both, and he's like, "You guys should really do this." And that's that's really how it came to be. It was it just fell in our lap.
0: So if Sean hadn't called him at that very minute when he was in the bar, maybe the whole of the life different. Be different
2: yeah different and right. then what would pals yeah. be
5: pals would yeah, yeah not be in question, existence
0: well you might have bought pals does he because pals wasn't all that groovy either for a long time until i guess he changed it rio changed it yeah and yeah, he also owns one eye jacks
5: one eye jacks yeah mm-hmm. and a bar in at san francisco and a couple in la he's <coughs> quite the uh
0: he's an entrepreneur
5: bartrepreneur bartrepreneur yeah
0: exactly <laughs> yeah. so what was it like owning the saint were you like a you su- know, I really
5: super? liked it. I really enjoyed it was like our little clubhouse. It was like our friends. And and then later but we had all these partners, so I was always on tour. I could basically pawn the work off on other people. But after Katrina we slowly started losing partners and it became where like every problem was like our problem. And I'm like, I I didn't get into this to, to have problems I mean? for five yeah, sex and a drink. Yeah, I want a I want a nice cool club to hang out in, not fix the toilet
0: had you ever owned a <laughs> had you ever owned a business before
5: uh, not like that no, no.
0: What, what which one did you own before
5: well i consider running a band a business was you know, it though? absolutely yeah you gotta i mean most of your work is not playing it's most of your work is hustling yeah um but yeah no that was my first real real business brick and mortar sure. yeah yeah it was, it was fun i don't regret it but now it's back at, we sold it to a guy the, the guy who makes the Defend New Orleans t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. guy. Oh, okay. and, Who and is that guy? Uh, Jack Curry. And then he, after a couple of years, got tired of it, went to went to architecture school mm. and sold it to my brother. So it's back mm. in the family. <laughs> really <laughs> cool. Yeah. So awesome. you can,
0: can you drink for free there?
5: Technically, I should be able to, but I don't go in there often enough to, that everybody... Oh, now would, you yeah. feel too old. Yeah. Hey, Ben, you, you should tell all the new bartenders that I drink for free there. It's really, really embarrassing. <laughs> it must so yeah, be. Ben.
0: Well, <laughs> are the prices uh, of the drinks reasonable at least
5: at yeah it's still a cheap bar
0: yeah. well so was it was it a groovy spot when you owned it or did he t- did ben turn it into no a-
5: no it was it was cool it was more rock and roll oriented and, and now it's more dj oriented yeah you know and much like i said 10 years younger 20 somethings 20 somethings exactly yeah, no. well like when we owned it we were 20 30 somethings so yeah. yeah it makes have sense you
0: t- have you turned into like completely invisible yet where really good looking women don't even see you
5: I don't know what that's like. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> that's a shocking development. I, I noticed that years ago, that you can go to a place well, probably a hundred years ago, and all these good-looking Tulane students who used to look at, at least look at you for a second, they don't even they don't even see you. Yeah, you're so like you're just, invisible. You're just in the way. Mm. Have you noticed that, Charles? No, not at all. No, you're still I see the you're, still, you're you. still they're still infatuated with you. I'm talking about. No, you. With me? No, I yes, think you would totally. Really, that would yes. be great. I would love that if that was really true. All the oh, women awesome.
3: I know that know you think
0: you're super sexy, Graham. Hello. Really? <laughs> wow. I wish there were a lot of them right here, though, and we could see if that was true, but that's very kind of you to say that. Oh, yeah, no, That's so nice.
2: I think the show's made now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can go home now. And play the music. Play
0: the yeah. yeah. So we're going to have a bit of live music on the show today. We don't have Andrew Duhan because he won't be here for next week, but, um, but both of you guys are going to play, and Della, you've learned to play the guitar especially for the show, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, you're a dancer. You <laughs> must know something about music.
2: I know how to count it.
0: Okay. Right. Well, you could tell them if they're in time.
2: <laughs> All right. You could be like Happy the metronome.
3: <laughs> can you do tap dancing while in the background while we're playing?
2: I actually can <laughs> tap dance. Can you? <laughs>
0: yeah. Could you do it now, or do you need another couple of these drinks from, from Hugo <laughs> at Casa Borrega? Uh,
2: I don't know. I, I might need another sip, le- another couple, couple of sips.
0: When's the last time you tap danced for anybody?
2: Um, I tap danced in 2011. Maybe 2012, teaching kids in okay. New York.
0: That's interesting. The kids still like I mean, you still see people tap dancing. That guy Savion Glover made tap dancing happen mm-hmm. oh, yeah. again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that was totally out for a I mean, that was like who tap danced?
2: Yeah.
0: Right. You know, don't even Dean Martin was too cool to tap dance, right?
2: As far as I know. But then
0: so this guy brought it all back and made it groovy.
2: Yeah, I mean he how was. Did you,
0: how did you get to be a dancer?
2: Um, I went to Noka here. I don't know. I was just saw. I think I saw some sort of public television show when i was a kid and fell in love with ballet and told my mom that's what i wanted to do she put me in classes and i went to Noka and then i went to new york and i went to alvin ailey school <coughs> and uh, so
0: were you good all the way along or did you learn to be good?
2: uh you naturally good? new york was an eye opener for me <laughs> you know
0: because um, most times when you hear about <laughs> dancing in new Orleans, it's not that kind of dance Mm-mm. it's mostly you know People I got that taking a lot off New their clothes.
2: Yeah, especially in high school, I got that a lot when I would say I was a dancer. They're like, oh. <laughs> when <laughs> Look you were away. in high school, they thought that you
0: were working on Bourbon Street. <laughs> well, you know, it well, is high New Orleans. Was this <laughs> that was at NOCA People thought that you were stripping.
2: Um, I don't think they stop, Thought I was stripping at NOCA. That's what you. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> your your classmates at
0: NOCA thought that when you said I'm going to be a dancer, they thought you wanted to.
2: I, I don't know about my classmates, but you know, just social situations yeah. out. And in a party,
0: or that sounds pretty exotic, though, to say that you're a stripper in high school.
2: No, better than doing
0: ballet. No, no. I disagree. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'd hmm. Maybe that's... <laughs> 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 you think it doesn't sound as cool to say you're a stripper? It sounds more cool to say you're a ballet dancer. I, guess I do. It, yeah. I guess it does, really.
3: Yeah. I think
2: it takes more talent to be a ballet dancer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> who,
0: ma- who makes more money, though?
2: Definitely wow, a stripper.
0: It's extraordinarily hard to be a ballet dancer, isn't it? I mean,
2: it so is really hard. Yes.
0: It's like taxing as all well. hell. It's so physical. It's like swimming and ballet must be the two s- most difficult sports, I think.
2: That's one of the reasons I stopped. Um, you know, I, I had a good run of it, and I didn't want to get injured and go out like that. So I found something else to do. Yeah.
0: How, what did you do when you were, you would at Dance with the Alvin Ailey Company, or you went to the Alvin Ailey School? I
2: went to the Alvin Ailey School. What did
0: you do after? Who did you dance with after?
2: Um, a couple of contemporary companies um, in New York, local in new york
0: um and you can make a living in new york city being a
2: no that's d- why d- i was teaching too
0: are you taught dancing as well
2: mm-hmm.
0: so what do they do if they, to make a living you have to be the one of the big companies like the new york city ballet or right the elvin ailey dance company or the Palo- was it palobolis or something that's palobolis a is a while. big
2: company mm-hmm. but if you elisa monte is a big company
0: is it but there's no like smaller things like there's no there's no bourbon street of Ballet, LA, <laughs> where you could pick up a <laughs> gig here and there, you know. Hmm.
2: I, that's a tough analogy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: what, about, what about Broadway? Does there a crossover to those kind, that I, kind of dancing? Absolutely,
2: yep. A lot of my friends that I went to school with are doing Broadway stuff now, and I think that they're doing really well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, On wha- Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you still dancing? Are you really were scared of getting hurt?
2: Uh, well, you know, I. um. I was dancing and doing journalism at the same time for a while, and I found that it was just too hard to do both. Right. So I, What are the I chances chose?
0: that you're smart enough to be a writer as well as talented enough to be a ballet dancer? Really? That's unusual, right?
2: Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is true, though, isn't what it? What a package, huh? I mean, those two don't <laughs> often <laughs> go together. Yeah, super right.
0: intelligent and <clears throat> you know, ballet dancer, I wouldn't think. Not that I know a lot of ballet dancers. Pick any.
2: Um, I don't know. When I was in high school, uh, I remember my my high school counselor saying that ballet dancers were the best students because we're so disciplined. So... it makes sense. That's what you got there.
0: So, a lot of ballet dancers are super smart.
2: So, there's a
0: difference between being disciplined and being able to do something.
2: Right. I mean, I, I would say that there is a difference between disciplined and smart. Yeah, but, um, you know, I guess if you're smart and you're disciplined, you have a lot more going for you.
0: Well, that's the secret, isn't it? Being talented and being able to capitalize on it.
2: Right. I mean... I know a lot of really smart people who. Sh-
0: Chris, Chris <laughs> is super smart.
1: <laughs> well, I can get my shit together. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he dropped out of. You were doing. A, weren't you doing a PhD at Tulane as well? I was. Yeah. I mean yeah. like
5: Biochemistry or something. Cellular molecular biology. Dang. See. Wow. There you go. That's There's, really impressive. Everybody's like a smart person <laughs> around here. But and then I went into rock and roll. I don't know if that was a smart decision. Well, see, it's like mm. the same thing. It's like dance.
2: And <laughs>
5: you went the other way though. You couldn't do both. Um. It was difficult it was mm. difficult to do them even for a short time together mm. but yeah no I I, I liked I liked uh, I liked science because it was a thing where you could be curious right. you know and there is like a, an imaginative you know uh, creative side to it but once you get into the actual drudgery of of doing that every day it's a it's a shitty job. It Ooh, sucks. It is. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. What, what 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 would you do every day? Like the research a... part. You you and you eventually you have to pick a professor and you work for a professor and then you work on his research, right? Whether you're into it or not, and it's like it's like being pa- it's like being a high paid coolie, you know, <laughs> not even high paid, but high tech coolie. Right. Yeah. And and then and I was also trying to get um, like a film. A film thing together because I wanted to, to go in. I knew I wanted to go into film the TV, and so m- while I was doing my PhD, I was I had invented this sketch comedy show at Tulane Student Television, That's cool. and we were making it up literally, making it up as we went along. We All did 13 half hours, and it was so much fun to do that. And then juxtaposed where I'd be super hungover and tired <laughs> trying to do my research or whatever, teaching kids. I mean, I like teaching, don't were get you, me wrong. Were like, you teaching at Tulane as well? Yeah, I was a TA. That part was pretty fun, but it's a lot of work, and, and uh, I was like, why am I, why am I not doing the thing that I'm super into, and so that that's that was a major. The factor. sitcom production, you mean? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: what happened to that show? It was like Monty Python.
5: I, you know what? When um, I took all the tapes when I left, so I have <laughs> them all. We never did anything with them. I tried to pitch them. I would, I would go through the. I got a a copy of the uh, yellow pages phone book. I mean, the LA phone book from. Uh, the Tulane Library. They have all these. They had all these phone books. I don't know if they still have them. And I would go through production companies that I of shows I liked. So I called like I would just cold call people and be like, "Hi, this is Chris Lee. I have a show you'd be really <laughs> interested in." Yeah. And I got like, like uh, Bob Tappert, who was at the time running. Um, uh, what was it, Zena and Hercules? Yeah, he's the guy who wrote. Uh, yeah, he wrote those. He was the yeah. executive producer, and his partner is the dude that did all the Spider-Man movies, yeah, that's uh, right. Sam Raimi. Yeah, so I got those guys, like people like that, on the phone, and Marcy Carcy and I've got, got through a, to these yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Light, no I, one in Hollywood can get a so hold of I, these people. That's that what I thought. I was Like, yeah. this is easy. Why is everybody so afraid of it? And I found out much later that there was a like a. Like some big shot, like Universal <laughs> named Chris Lee. And so they would pick up the phone thinking I was that guy.
0: Okay, that oh, explains it. Oh. That's great. Did any of them actually look at your
5: stuff? Nobody invited me to send anything out, no. They, no, just, they, just they like, realized you were keep, the wrong guy. They are like, just hey, like, nice, you, nice kid. job, kid. Yeah. Keep, keep working. If you come out here, you can look us up. That oh, kind that's of thing.
0: great. Ooh. That's pretty good. So, so that, but you never actually did that. You never pursued a career in... That's
5: what I'm doing Improv, now. Improv, comedy. No, no, I guess not, but um, What are you doing there? So so in the last couple of years I, you know, Supergroup was kind of fizzing out mostly because my brother started having children and bought the bar and right. you know, right. the whole the classic, <clears throat> that'll stuff. kill it every time. So I was like I need I want to I want to go back and and like create television shows and maybe eventually make films. And so I got But nobody will hire you for that when you're in your late 30s. So I got a, f- a friend of mine who does reality, so though. About your age? And uh, he yes. gave me a job as a producer on, on some reality shows. So I did that for a couple of years. Okay, okay. We have to, to stop right yeah. there now. <laughs> okay.
0: You produced reality shows. Yeah, yes. Okay, let's Multiple start with, seasons. Why okay. isn't that in your bio? Really? How come I only get the fourth greatest rock band?
5: What, <laughs> what did you produce? Which ones? So I did a couple seasons on a show called Licious up in New York. <laughs> nice. And it's about these hairdressers, these kind of trashy Jersey chicks who uh, we would just tee them up to fight every, every couple of episodes. And so you have to like tell the story of why they get so mad at each other. And then you'd have to tell the story of why they'd be in the same place and make it realistically. Believe me, reality is pretty much all scripted to a varying degree. This is very scripted. And, and then we, you know, like part of my job was, you know, we, we would have the story that would come down. And then your job on the, in the field would be to get these people to say what you want. So, like, you you say, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. Tracy's gonna come in, and she's gonna just be shooting you dirty looks the whole time. I want you to ignore her. You're above it. And meanwhile, you go tell Tracy, she, uh, Monica is gonna ignore you, and you do not get ignored. So if she ignores you, you go over there and you slap her across the face, <laughs> and not, you know, and tell people different things. But or, these aren't actors. These are actual these hairdressers. Are actual, yeah, and that's how they get around paying like. Anything. Actors' union fees, right. writers' <laughs> fees. Instead of a writer, you're a producer. Instead of a actor, you're a reality star. So, okay,
0: so you can just go back one step. So, you're you're in a like a writers' meeting or some sort of production meeting, and you're gonna and you say every okay, morning, every morning, every morning. So so morning. This is
5: all done on the fly. This is, it's not done it's on not, the fly, but no. I mean, this is not planned out for 13 episodes. It is. It is. Okay. No, it is. It is. So you'll have you'll have like a a. a Depending on where you are in the series, you'll have like, okay, this is this episode is A, B, and C story, and that'll give you the
0: this is where setup, Ma- conflict, Monica resolution. slaps Janice yeah. across the face, and so and so
5: stabs so and so with a pair of scissors in the hand. Correct. So that's all scripted. <laughs> so you'll know it's all scripted. You'll know the big, big points for the whole season. You know, from the is beginning. this based on their life or it's just
0: based on it coming out of your head like a writer?
5: It starts as 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 out of, as a. I believe it. Probably. I mean, I was, I came in on like. The fourth or fifth season, so I, I bet it started as a real thing, but by this point, it's just like completely made up. But they really, it, they really do not like each other. Do <laughs> You know, like if you have you guys ever heard of the Stanford Prison Experiment? No,
0: Chris knows it.
5: You know it. Our okay, so director. in in, uh, a, no. in a nutshell, a, a psychology or professor said, "Okay, half the class, you're the inmates; half the class, you're the prison guards," and then just sits, just Wrote down what happened. And in three days, the prison guards were beating the piss out of the... <laughs> and they're all students. They just right. adapt to these roles. So okay. if you can imagine, like, you have, like, this production company with hundreds of people, you know, telling you you hate her guts. and right. you're just, Of course they fall into that role. Wow. So it's, it's really kind of, I mean, coming into it the way I did, I, I got to analyze it from sort of a different perspective. It wasn't just a job for me. I was learning how to produce right. and Boy, it's it, it is a crazy. It's hey, a so crazy let me business. ask
0: you another question. When you're the person on that show, when you're the you know the girl who's cast as the bitch now, because every yeah. episode you're going to slap Monarch across the face or stab yeah. her in the hand. <laughs> how does that person live with themselves because they're not when they're not they're not that person, right? They're th- just playing that part. I don't think it's I okay think, when you're an actress and you say, "Oh, it's just a part." I
5: think that the distinction between re- real life and the TV show becomes very blurry. So when they don't want to do something, then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a real person. I wouldn't do that. But when they want to do it, fuck yeah, they're going to do it. You know, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So and, and also when, when it comes to getting paid, then they remember their, hey, I'm a reality star. Hey, how,
0: much do you <laughs> get paid? how much do you get paid to be on a show like that?
5: Not a lot. It depends on the show. <laughs> but you
0: must get a huge amount of publicity if you're just a hairdresser in New jersey, and suddenly I would now think, you're the famous Yeah.
5: I mean, they make their money off of, like, you know personal appearances right. they don't, At the make, mall? They, don't ma- yeah, they don't yeah they don't make money off of the show
0: okay so you guys want to help me if you i mean we're going to get onto other subject in a minute but we got to get we need to know I'm what's sorry. going on with Jersey delicious now f- so so you learned how to do this yeah I did you What this other shows did you work on anything else
5: so they had a spin off called glam fairy <laughs> glam glam fairy glam fairy really yeah i did a season of that
0: what is that one
5: uh so like one of so they They were, and not they ran out of hairdressers, but they kind of had that set up, but they wanted to to build on the franchise. So they had this new story with this really crazy chick, really, like, genuinely crazy, who was a makeup artist. So she's like, I've got a great idea for a show, a spin-off show, where I'm the makeup artist, and everybody comes and learns from me how to do makeup. And then, so we did a whole, it was basically the same format, but with a different cast, and then you'd have some crossover. Okay. it, It was in the same world. Hmm it was like chachi chachi loves Joni. mhm i like to that happiness. that's a great show
1: yeah.
5: and then okay. and then uh, the guy I was working for is a good friend of mine so he was kind enough to let me do his development so he would be like i've got an idea f- to do a show about this so i'd get to write up the show we'd go try to cast it sometimes we'd get all the way through the production and shoot pilots or sizzle reels or whatever so i i did in addition to those shows i was doing like development stuff
0: so which ones are you, have you got one that
5: we, had, we never sold any of them. You don't sell a Yeah. yeah, yeah no. What? Yeah, you would be surprised. i right. You gotta, I mean, you, would, you could throw like 20 things at the wall and like nothing's nothing stuck, but I don't know.
0: Charles, you got an idea for a reality show? Everyone's <laughs> oh, got gosh. an idea, right?
5: Everybody does.
0: Dallas, you must have a good idea. Death Row. No, 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 no. I don't
2: think that, that would be That sounds hilarious. <laughs> 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 That's gotta
0: catch on, right?
2: No, I don't have any ideas. No. It's not
0: true though, right? I mean, no one's going to really die on Death Row on the TV show, on the reality show?
2: I'd hope not. How did you get to be
0: an expert on death row? Um, from dancing.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. How did that happen? Finally.
0: I knew there'd be a good question.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, journalism came first, right? And I was reporting a lot about um, arts and things that have nothing to do with death, death row, row or politics or anything like that in New York. And um, when I came... Down to New Orleans, I uh, I was really interested in the Lens, which is this investigative.
0: Okay, tell us about site. the Lens, because we see that you guys see this, mm-hmm. the Lens all over the place, and you yeah. see it in association with the no. Lens, and everyone's in association. What well, exactly is the Lens?
2: It's an investigative uh, news site online. Um, covers a lot of policy issues, education.
0: Is it is it local, or are they from out of New York thing? It's or local. Mm-hmm. It just all started in New Orleans only. Mm-hmm. So yep. there's, there's it's no Lens New York or Lens LA or it's just no. So who came up with this? Who did it? Who um, is the Lens?
2: Uh, I think the founders were Karen Gadbo and I um, I don't know. I didn't found, found okay. it. Fund it. So, um,
0: so they just took it upon themselves to be an investigative, independent investigative journalist operation because no one else is doing a decent job of that.
2: I think so, yeah.
0: Well, that's pretty true, right? I mean, there's not much investigative journalism in New Orleans. Well, I think Karen,
3: Karen Gabble, after the storm, was making sure that house, housing stock was not demolished. Right. And she filled that void, so maybe right, just she just kind was of framed them in on it, that. Yeah, and, right, exactly. And
2: that's how it uh, came about, right?
0: So, how did you get the death row, beat?
2: I just pitched a story. Um, I was interested in the policy of it. The state was being secretive, and I thought that the truth should come out. And I so I pitched a story on it and I just kept up with the story and now it's a year later and I'm still writing about it.
0: What is the story?
2: Uh, well, so... Sorry, you m- didn't mean that. That's <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> supposed to be a fun show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, I'm sure.
0: Aren't you in Death Row? <laughs> yeah, of I course. Anything could happen to you, you never know. You could be on Death I Row know, and exactly. you be thankful that you used something
3: about it. I know.
2: It.
0: Yeah. I'm glad I know Della now.
2: It, well, so there's um, there's a... An inmate, his name is Christopher Sepulveda, He's scheduled to be executed February 5th, like a week from now. Um, but the whole problem is that the state has been uh, secretive about what drugs they're going to use. So, um, to kill him. To kill him. Because or where those drugs have come we from. You can't
0: get the killer drug or something. That's what right, I Right. Well,
2: there's a drug that they used to use. It's called pintobarbital. And it used to be manufactured by a company called Lundbeck, which is from Europe. You guys, you
0: guys ever done Pintobarbital? <laughs> Never.
2: <laughs> Actually, what's interesting is the same brand of Pintobarbital, Nimbital, was um, implicated in the death of Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Um,
5: what about uh, Michael Jackson? What was that?
2: I don't know what the name of that drug was. I can't remember. Propofol, I think? Propofol,
5: yeah. So yeah. Is that You're the right. kind of drug you can take a little of it and then but a lot will kill you? Or I is it can't
2: say <laughs> that, you that I've any experimented any with <laughs> Pinto Because um.
5: you could maybe sprinkle on a joint as you know, well.
0: If you happen to have <laughs> any, <laughs> you, say, for example.
2: Well, no, I don't, and the state doesn't either, and that's the point. You can't <laughs> get it. <laughs> right.
0: So the story is how they're going to kill this guy.
2: Right. So they, they changed the lethal injection protocol on Monday um, to allow for another set of drugs to be used that was recently used in an, an Ohio execution And that guy um, gasped and.
3: The botched one last week. Yeah, it it was
2: botched, right? According to. So you're not
0: you're not opposed to the death penalty yourself. This is not anti-death penalty. It's not anti-death penalty journalism. This is just anti the the whatever. My opinion stays out of it. Okay, so this is just an an investigation of the kind of drugs that are used to kill someone.
2: Right, an investigation of how the state is proceeding when there is a uh, national shortage of drugs.
0: You could give someone an OD of of anything, pretty much, couldn't you?
2: I mean, that's one perspective. A lot of people say, like, why, you know, why does it have to be a specific drug? And it's a really good question. I mean, it's just how states have gone about it. For
0: well, it's supposed to be, I suppose, painless, or
2: it's supposed to be not painless. cruel and
0: unusual punishment. It is even though it's death. A,
2: it's a violation of the U.S. Constitution to uh, administer cruel and unusual punishment on anyone, even someone on death row.
0: Yeah. What about shooting someone in the head? Like, you, how do you kill a cow in a slaughterhouse? Well, I mean... Of electric shock. Thing.
2: Yeah, that, that point has been brought up recently. Like, why don't we just go back to the firing squad and...
0: And charge people. I mean, we're losing money every day at the state level. You People, people would pay. Decen- I mean, you could do that at pay-per-view.
2: <coughs> I think it all depends on what lawmakers say.
0: Graham DePonte, our producer, used to be a death row a trial attorney. Defendant for defense. Oh, no Graham, you want to join the conversation? Yeah. No, you can
6: got you guys
0: doing great. <laughs> Sit down, sit down. I heard Della
6: today. She was mm. so good.
0: Della was on the radio. was yes. on the real radio, not the not the podcast radio.
6: I was well, so excited that you were going to be here today. Oh you really? sounded, so good.
1: I God. didn't hear clearly, it clearly, <laughs> clearly well researched. Graham,
0: what did she say that was uh, of any importance?
6: She talked all about the drug protocol and how you know people don't want to give drugs to the U.S. or sell drugs to the U.S. for um. Executions. Oh, because
0: because we use them to kill people. with.
6: Right, right. They, you know what, the rest of the world, they don't like the death penalty. I mean, the rest of the civilized world does not like the death penalty.
0: So someone listening who had some sort of degree in chemistry, say, <laughs> could come up with a replacement. Why isn't someone doing that? Because isn't there money to be made now in that?
3: There's so
6: much testing that is required.
0: Why
3: don't, mm-hmm. why don't they use the same thing that you put your dog down with? I mean, that seems very that's peaceful. That was okay. pento barbitol. Okay.
2: They do would, use pinto barbitol okay. for that, but the thing is it's restricted to prisons. It's not restricted to everyone. Hmm. Just how about, prisons. How about,
5: like, morphine? Just I, something
6: that is chemically made here? And
2: that's th- a good question. I think if, you know... Well, I think the problem
6: is people aren't using morphine now to kill people, so the question of how much and... Um, you know, well, what it, if you fucked it up? I mean, how Right, exactly. You, can't, well, you, you know, can't. the guy's did well, Oh, shit. No, that's, no. Why, that's the, where the Eighth Amendment comes in. I mean, cruel and unusual punishment right. is... It's unconstitutional for any kind of any kind of punishment, any kind of state-sanctioned penalty. Doesn't this, doesn't
0: this feel creepy
6: talking about this? Thing? Yeah. Well, you brought it up. Yeah. I'm going to go no, stand well, over there No, again. no, 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 please. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is sort of
0: creepy, isn't it, coming up with ways to kill someone. Yeah. As a government.
5: Well, if you're <laughs> going to kill them, you better get your... P's and Q's, right? I guess so. You know, yeah. Do it. But, but who's
0: responsible for this? Tell her who's got the last word. The governor.
2: Um, well, that's a good question. So there's. Two.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <Whoa. laughs> Write that down. Keep Dang. track. There it's time for a song in a minute, but
2: there are state laws and there are federal laws, and um, you know it, it gets kind of messy and complicated when you try to sort out what's. Okay with a state law and not okay with a federal law. Um, I think well, that
0: which one supersedes in this case?
2: Federal would supersede state, but um, you know there are judges, state judges that are asking for discovery, for example, that are asking for things, and there are federal judges also <coughs> asking for discovery, but um,
0: what does discovery mean? Facts.
2: Discovery means facts. So Sepulveda's lawyers. What
0: did he do, this guy Sepulveda? He killed somebody, I assume.
2: Yeah, it's pretty gruesome. He killed his six-year-old stepson.
0: Well, sometimes these kids. Can yeah, be yeah, a no, it's not. annoying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if
0: you've ever had kids, I'm sure you will agree. Um, Jesus Christ! So that's so you got the death penalty. Yeah. For that, and how long ago was that? How, how long has he been on death row for?
2: He was convicted in 1993, oh. so that's how long he's been.
0: 112 fighting years. Fighting
2: his uh, his rights, I guess, in court. Saying that his constitutional rights will be violated. If what? Um, if he's executed. Well, he, there's two crux. There's a, the crux of his lawsuit right now is that he has a due process right to know how he's going to be killed. And then the other argument is the Eighth Amendment argument, which is um, against cruel and, uh, which is that he has a right not to experience cruel and unusual punishment.
0: Do you go to death row and meet these people?
2: You know, um, I may very well go on February 5th if he's executed.
0: You're going to be a witness.
2: Not h- exactly. There are only three witnesses allowed in the room, three media witnesses allowed in the room. I wasn't one of those media witnesses chosen. But um,
0: How do you get to be chosen for that? like I a, a I don't
2: know. I don't know. Call you up I'm waiting hey, for the "Hey, congratulations." that question. Uh, um. You have just won <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> a cruise on the... Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, don't will. hang up.
0: You may <laughs> already be a winner.
2: The thing is there's limited space. Um, so whenever ah, there's limited why space. Why would you want
0: to see that? though? Even
2: Because if, say, well, how do we know that the uh, Ohio execution was botched? The media was there. Yeah. Yeah, okay, the
0: media, but that's not you. Do you w- why do you want to be the person to see that?
2: Because I am the media. I'm a, I'm a journalist.
0: Right. So that's just like a professional yeah, well, obligation.
2: Yeah. I feel like it, yeah, because, you know, I've been writing about how the state could be breaking this law, potentially, by, um, you know, not adhering to the Eighth Amendment, and if the, if the inmate suffers before he dies, I think that I have a duty to report out whether the <coughs> state did in fact. What about
0: your personal experience of that, how you would feel about that, and then how you have to deal with that for the rest of your life, as long as you...
2: When I talk about death row, I make a point not to bring my personal opinions yeah, or views n- into it. Not only I mean your personal
0: opinions, I mean your personal experience of what it would be like to be in a tiny little chamber and watch somebody die at the state's hand. I mean, how would you?
2: Well, I mean, I imagine I am a human being. I imagine that it would it would be pretty. You are traumatizing, <laughs> like you know. Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Why would you want to put yourself through that trauma? Even though it's a, I can see that you have a professional. You know, duty, but so... Sometimes some I think your professional s- duty
2: supersedes, it. you know, how you feel as an individual. Wow. Mm.
0: I, I, I commend you. That's amazing. I would just say, you know, some other sucker in the media could go do that. Um, would you, would you want to do that, Chris? That
3: was my job, yeah. Yeah, would you? Hell Charles? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You would? Okay.
0: Oh, all yeah. right. well, I'm going to do it as well, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all going to do it. No, so I mean, who... Uh, yeah?
3: I was just going to say, not many people get chosen for that. So to be able to, to see that. Um, it's a great obligation that you could pass on in a positive way.
2: Right. Well, I won't actually see it because <clears throat> <clears throat> other reporters will be in the room. But it's it's a. If I do go and it hasn't been approved yet, I'm waiting to see if I will. But if I do go, it's um, it'll be part of what we call pool reporting, which means that the reporters who do witness it will pass on their notes and whatever they see to us, to the rest of the media waiting outside.
6: Great. Well, I was just thinking, um, I nobody that I've represented has been executed, but I have a few death penalties, unfortunately, in Jefferson Parish. I actually don't think anything is going to... I think we've got good issues, but um, I was asked by one of my clients who was um, convicted and sentenced to death. To, I, I actually promised him that I would be a witness. Wow. Which I'm so happy I don't have to do, because I think think he's going to work out. I think he's going to.
0: So you, gonna, you right. defended people who are on death row. Yes. Def- well, I know I defended people.
6: I defended, I defended, um, people who were accused of capital accused crimes. Of, right, right. Yeah. So, so you, I didn't do any post-conviction right. work. I did okay. trial work. And my only job was mitigation. So my only job, I didn't have anything to do with guilt or innocence. My only job was I had to pretend from the minute I met my client, from the minute I read the police report that my client was going to get convicted. And my job was to make sure he didn't get the death penalty. It's really tough. So <laughs> that's
0: what job. you woke up every morning and went to work to try and stop people. That's why people. I don't do it anymore. Yeah, it's it must get to you after a while.
6: Oh, it, I would go. I
0: would. So I, I went produces. to bed
6: for a month after one after one trial. Wow. You
0: stayed in bed for a month.
6: I did. It was.
0: I can dull. see why you produced a stupid podcast.
2: <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> this god. is a cushy
0: job. Oh now. my <laughs> god, that's, you guys have real. That's a real life job. You too, dalla. That's like the real thing'
2: it's, it's pretty intense. I'm yes. I haven't slept in a while.
0: <laughs> well you're pretty good for someone who's not sleeping
2: well, thanks do
0: you do you really you don't sleep you just it's too makes you too wound up
2: Oh it's not that it's just grueling because uh, everything's changing so quickly. I mean, the closer you get to well in this case at least the closer we're getting to his execution date, the more legal filings come in through court. you know his lawyers are really trying to stop it. Requesting stays of execution, every time that happens, it's a story, and it's just it's a. It's
0: so that's what's keeping you up is work. It's not.
2: Right. Stress. No, I sleep, I sleep pretty soundly, whether I'm stressed or not. Okay.
0: Wow. Charles, what do you think? You got a guitar in your hand. You think you can? Yeah. You can take our mind off the yeah, de- sure. death row from it. I don't know how <laughs> Sorry. we went. Yeah. No, I <laughs> know. It's. Well, I'm,
3: I'm fascinated by the story for one reason. That is because Sepulvedo, the Sepulvedos usually come from Sabine Parish. Um, the Sepulveda family is a descendant of the Choctaw Apache people and Spanish people. And Sabine Parish has the greatest tamales in Louisiana. So, tie into Casabrega here.
0: So. Nice. How do you know that?
3: Because I've spent a lot of time up there. It's uh, just west of Natchitoches. Um, and there's a large Spanish and Indian population out there. And they make, in my opinion, the best tamales in Louisiana.
0: Is this part of your life as a historian? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Or just yeah. someone who likes tamales. Yeah. Both. Both. So you can combine. Loving tamales you is, yes, exactly. <laughs> you can combine your love for tamales and history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: that's. I mean, you know, if you're a historian in Louisiana, food history is on the top of everyone's mind. So you have to know the histories of all these foods, and that part of Louisiana has very unique food tradition. It's very different from South Louisiana.
0: What is the history of the tamale exactly?
3: Well, um, a lot of people I know up there, Choctaw Apache people, say it's traditional to their culture. So it's um, basically an Indian food up there. Um, and A lot of people associate it with Mexico, mm. um, but a lot of the, the Indian food historians up there say it is local, and they well, trace it back through journals and stuff. What so do you believe? I believe them, yeah, absolutely. They yeah. don't really, it,
0: can it be both? I mean, why yeah. could not it be Well, both? I mean, any
3: corn product in North America is going to be an Indian-based food, and so tamales are common throughout Central America, throughout Latin America, Mexico, all the way up into this part of North America, too. Um, and the ones in Sabine Parish are more like a Mexican style tamale they're dry <laughs> um, a little bit small but not as big as the Central American tamales and then tamales down in South Louisiana and Mississippi generally are in like a chili gravy so they're very different
0: what's the is there a Native American word
3: or local word for tamale? For tamale? I don't know I've never asked them but, um, the Choctaw would, Apache actually lost their have, language so, they did oh they didn't you know. have a language No, oh, well, they, they, did, language. they but did but they lost it yeah, so. yeah.
0: A lot of people in America must have lost their languages who came over here uh-huh, from yeah. other countries.
3: Well, to be, um, to be federally recognized country. as an Indian tribe, um, one of the criteria is you have to have your language intact. Oh, really? That's one of their big challenges for getting federally recognized. Really? hmm
0: To get yeah. a casino?
3: To get a casino and you to have get to have other... your own, own language. Uh-huh, yeah. Hmm,
0: that's where we screwed up here.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, <clears throat> what are you going to play?
3: <clears throat> well, um... I did write a song recently. It's it's atypical of kind of songs I generally write. Uh, me and a friend of mine have a group where we write a lot of character based songs. We assume characters, and so they're fictional characters, and we can take them where we want. Tamale Joe, for example. Tamale Joe, exactly. That yeah. would be right up our alley. A lot of food based songs, a lot of cultural history, social songs. This one is just a good old fashioned, kind of cheesy love song. So Okay. Y'all ready? What do you call it? Um, that's the way it
4: goes. Okay. <laughs> You were so dumb You told me you were complicated Looking back That was an understatement You said I Was trying to wear you down If I proved myself Your walls would tumble Knuckle ten I love you, not gonna tell you how much I care, I'm not gonna, not gonna tell you, not gonna tell you how much I pity you and your cray cray and your friends say the same, I'm not gonna, not gonna tell you, and that's the way it go. That's the way you go. That's the way. That's the way you go. When I first met you, you warned me you were a mess. If I could think twice. I know what was best You were right I was trying to wear you down And you continue to wear That ice queen crown Not gonna tell you how much I hate you Not gonna tell you that you're cray cray I'm not gonna Not gonna tell you And that's the way you go That's the way you go That's the way That's the
1: way you go
4: I'm an old soft cowboy And you're a steely alien girl Every time I ride my pony up to your drawbridge All I get is threats of hot, boiling earth And that's the way it goes And that's the way it goes That's the way That's the way it goes, that's the way it goes, that's the way,
3: that's the way it goes. Very nice.
5: Thank you all. Very nice. Thanks. That's the way it goes. Chris, what do you think? Got cowboys and Indians in there. I like yeah. that. Hey, Chris, space that. Yeah. Space Indians. Space Indians <laughs> and yeah. it's got
0: the word cray cray in it. Cray Cray yep. yep. and, and Earl. And Earl, right. I had I've to heard, go out there Earl. I've never heard Earl <laughs> in a song, I don't think. Actually pronounce like that or Cray Cray
3: I wanted to make a New Orleans song and so you have to have Earl in there if you're going to have a New Orleans song nice
0: next time you can rhyme it with Burl (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's my
3: next song Girl Earl Girl girl. Earl and Burl
0: that's the way it goes what do you do with these songs after you've written these wacky songs
3: oh I play them for my friends or whoever wants to hear them Um, I rarely play solo gigs live um, but I play for my friends a lot
0: yeah what are you, do you mean, like sitting around someone's house to say hello? Oh, yeah. Pull out the guitar and play a song I wrote. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it goes.
4: Uh-huh.
0: That's cool. Chris, are you going to play something for us today as well? Or I
4: don't really do want to follow that, to be honest. Oh, come on.
0: Now it's given us an appetite for some music now.
4: Let's see.
2: What do
0: you uh, think, Della? Any requests?
5: I
3: don't
1: know what to play. What are you guys to
3: What are you working on? Anything about tamales or death row? (laughs) (laughs) Burl, girl, girl, burl, tamales,
5: death row. (laughs) There we go. I could play like a, uh, yeah, here's a song I've been fooling around with.
7: The only rule Never fall in love That was something that you knew not to do A crime I'm not guilty of I'm not sorry I stole your kisses Not sorry I stole your kisses But who wants them more than I? If you want to get them back, you can try Just try, just try. We were making some extraordinary love, because could that's best. You had someone that you didn't want to know, and now it can't contest. I'm not sorry I stole your kisses, not sorry I stole your kisses, but... Who wants them more than I? If you want to get them back, you can try. You can try. Just try. Solo, we yeah, win Hit it, Charles, you would play a solo here and hopefully Something about Earl, yeah. I'm not sorry I stole your kisses. Not sorry I stole your kisses, but who loves them more than I?
3: If you want to get them
7: back, you can try.
5: the great Chris Lee. Thank you very much.
0: Great Thank to you hear back. you singing again.
5: It's different. It's weird by yourself. Yeah. Using it the guitar. You don't have your whole band to, to hide behind. Hide behind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, I'm yeah.
0: sitting here across the table looking at you, and I, I'm remembering the last, you know, the, 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 many times I've seen you in front of a band, but mil- like, um, thousands of people at <laughs> Tipitinas or at one of those festivals. Or, it's a whole it's it, a different ball of wax. What's it like not
5: doing that now? Not having that in your life, I, you know, I mi- I miss playing live. I do, um, and but you know, I've moved on. I have I have a uh, right. you know a, a creative outlet in my you know working on TV shows and stuff. So
0: yeah, but when you're standing in front of a thousand people or ten thousand people and they're all screaming and
5: there's no you know there's nothing nothing that replaces that. That's right. that's its own that's its own thing for sure. Yeah, so yeah, I I kind of put it down for a while and 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 then. I had all these songs that I had sort of collected over the years that didn't fit in Supergroup, and then I wrote some new ones, and, and that's, this is, that was one of them. I wrote a musical that uh, I'm just finishing the demos for, and I have the first, maybe the second draft of the script, and it's about a, uh, it's about a kid who becomes a folk hero. So it's, like, it's not like everybody breaks out into song. It's like more like Purple Rain. Oh, so there's a, a guy, reason to sing. There's a reason right, he okay. sings all yeah. these songs. And he gets big because he um, becomes a folk hero because he sings about how fucked up uh, living in this country is now, and he sings songs about like my freedom isn't free, and Little Man Blues, you know, talks about like it, the, the story is about a kid whose farm gets burned down be- because Monsanto sued <laughs> sued them for uh, copyright infringement, <laughs> oh, Lord. and that's what that's what starts the thing, and then it yeah, and it and it goes from there, and then I I put in a bunch of stuff that. You know, my view of, like, how pop music is today, where, like, you know, like, he gets a press girlfriend, you know, so they have that one name mm-hmm. that makes them both... So they're in the tabloids all the time and makes yeah. them more famous and lots of fun stuff like that, where it just gets ridiculous. So it's just about finished. I would say I'm... I'm. It's finished enough for me to show to people, but I'm still working on it, yeah.
0: So what yeah. do you do now? You need to get it staged somewhere here.
5: I don't know. I don't know. I think it... I, I wrote it as a movie, so... I would like to find a uh, oh, it's a movie a star, and then and then and then build it around that. I think I could make this movie. So.
0: You want to direct it?
5: I just want to produce it.
0: How much is the budget?
1: <laughs>
5: well, it's on paper, so. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you? Think?
0: Is it like a big hundred million dollar it would, movie? It or?
5: would not be cheap. You couldn't make it for like a million bucks. But I it, could rewrite it to make it a. The, you the know cheap what I mean? version If someone yeah. got a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. someone gave me a million bucks. Okay. Oh, we'll, so. cut out, we'll cut out. the, uh, the drone scene then. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know they make. You
0: know they make drones here in New Orleans. Really, yes. manufacture them. Yes, there's guys out at Mishu and the NASA thing there oh, who are making yeah. drones for Come real. On. Yes, I heard it. We heard it on uh, Out to Lunch show. Uh-huh.
5: That surprised me. At
0: all. It's called. Um,
5: that shit is scary.
0: I can't think of the name of the company, but it's on. If you go to our website, it's neworleans.com, and look at this Out to Lunch. Just do a search of oh. the word drones. And the show about drones and this guy. There's two companies out there. We had both these guys on out to lunch, and they're sitting there telling us about making drones, and they're really doing it for real. It's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. So we could get the drone. Don't worry about oh, that. Okay. All right. You well. put a camera on the drone. What's <laughs> the expense in a musical about this sort of thing? Doesn't sound too expensive.
5: Well, I, I mean, like you'd have scenes where you'd have to have like either digitally or real. You'd have to have a big crowd. For right. a couple of different things. You you know, that that would be spendy. I have um that's probably the biggest thing. And then, you know, the lifestyle the guy leads, he like lives in penthouses in the top of New York. So you, maybe you could call in favors, you know, that,
0: that kind of stuff. But it doesn't uh, have any special effects, they're not, you know, blowing up a planet or anything.
5: No, no, it's it's that would be those would be the most expensive ones when, when the when the guy gets really big and he's playing for big audiences. But you know you could rewrite it where it's all on the internet and people are watching at home too. So there you go. You there's thought the the, she- the, story, the, the cheap, cheap version. version.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty exciting. Little Man Blues is that the name of the actual thing?
5: Yeah, yeah. That's the record and the uh, and the script.
0: And you um, came up with the story. It's all original.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you know what I, I kind of I was watching these really heavy movies. Uh, Network. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Great film. And uh, a face in a crowd. You guys familiar with that? It was Andy Griffith's first major role. <laughs> wow. And he plays a bad, bad guy, like a bad motherfucker. And it's great. It's yeah, great. And it, yeah, he, it's sort of, um, yeah, if, if this guy would, became evil <clears throat> instead of a good guy, it, that's sort of um, facing the crowd. So it's, it's, uh, it's based on these really heavy things. I try to lighten it up, but it's still pretty serious. I don't know what to do about that.
0: Well, some Hollywood writer, they yeah. pay, you know, a couple of million bucks to come along and fix it up for you. Right. Put a few Hire laughs a in it. Hey, yeah. <laughs>
5: let's get rid of this political uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's have some fun. Yeah. yeah. Make you a, br- a bromance. Who, do, <laughs> who doesn't like yeah. bros and, <laughs> <laughs> and boobs? Come on. Does it have a happy ending? I think so.
0: It does. Yeah. I mean, the guy mm. ends up making it and nobody should. He doesn't get Turned,
5: assassinated or anything. There's an assassination attempt, but he lives oh, through it. Yeah. There is.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: You're not giving too much away, though.
3: It's not a spoiler yet. Whatever.
5: Yeah. Anything could change, so i don 't care that 's how I feel about all you know like a lot of people are worried about stuff getting stolen, you know creative stuff i 'm like, well, even if someone had the exact same idea as you, they wouldn't do it the same way as you, you know because you invest your personal your personality into it so like
0: mm, but I think the problem is if someone does it before you and then you come along with this thing and say oh, i 've got the same idea like oh, it's very similar to this other thing that
5: this this, we this just project made. will never get made trust me so i oh, 'm not ah, worried about that either. Hmm.
0: Do you really think, in the back of your mind, that it just
5: might, though? I might I might find... If I met George Soros in an elevator, I could get this thing made. Absolutely. Where yeah. would we find the elevator? Yeah.
0: Hey, um... And I'm what, talking blowjobs. Exactly. But,
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you've got how many songs? 10, 12 songs or something? 19. 19 songs. I'd like so to you're going to record those first, I assume, right? I, I, have all the,
5: a, I have them all demoed. They're not, like, right. super badass produced, but they're pretty...
0: So that would be the way to go because then you've got 19 songs so you've got a lot of contacts in the music business. You know everybody. We'll go that way. Get someone to finance it from the music biz, right?
5: Maybe. Maybe. It's, uh, it's, it's a... You know what? I, it kind of came from the idea that I didn't want to go to the music industry for money anymore. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was too hard. <laughs> My career in the music industry was very difficult and money was always the biggest problem. Yeah, what money. Exactly. It's but like, isn't
0: the film business worse? Well no. I mean, the, music the film business,
5: business there's money there. Yeah, there's yeah. There. yeah. I guess
0: the film business is still surviving, whereas the yeah, music they, they business is
5: They've got yeah. A lot. struggling. Yeah. So it's a good you,
0: idea though. Do you still make any money in the music? I mean, do you still get royalties the, and Yeah, stuff? I get my BMI checks
5: every yeah. quarter and we, we still license songs pretty regularly to T V and film and video games are a big thing for us. Like we, we play a style of rock that is sort of I guess classic rock, so when people can't afford ACDC or the Scorpions, <laughs> they go to number they, four. Yeah, they go to number yeah. four. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's a actually. Good gig. Yeah, it's not bad. That's an interesting way of making money that you know, I wouldn't have thought of. That there's there's a re- revenue stream. Yeah. From yeah,
5: whether we're doing whether we're active or not. Like we've always kind of had that going. You know, it, it really saved our. Who hour. does who does all the business for you? Do you do all that? We own our own publishing company, but we're represented by a, a much bigger song placement company. So they. They, they, uh, they're the ones who call. We we don't actively do anything. They just call us and go, oh, "Would you be interested in a free free money?" <laughs> like, we're always like, "Sure." Say
0: that's the gig you want, right? Yeah. And you can just sort of sit around the house and write a musical, <laughs> and some some <laughs> other guy's making you some money. I yeah. love that. See, Della has to sit there and type all day mm-hmm. and talk to prisoners
3: and watch them die too.
2: I not Maybe. yet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not yet.
0: But on the other end of your job, you talking about charter schools which are positive and upbeat and wha- all good
2: um there's a lot of interesting stories that come out of charter schools yeah.
0: you don't sound that enthusiastic about that
2: um i think no i'm enthusiastic about it um i just i can't say whether they're positive or good or upbeat like as a reporter i really can't <laughs> oh you don't have an <laughs> oh i see really <laughs> yeah. oh you can't
0: say that right oh okay so what do you have to say officially what's your official line about everything oh
2: i mean it's you know, there's, it's interesting work. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, there is controversy surrounding charter schools. Um.
0: Is there? Because here, they've done so well.
2: Well, they've done compared well.
0: Compared to how we, we used to ha- We used to have 80% of schools failing, and now I think, I guess, 80% of schools are succeeding, if you can judge it by test scores. Isn't that right?
2: Uh, I, d- I can't remember the statistics on that. I'm not sure.
0: Well, Just, just to go along with it, then. <laughs>
2: Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's close <laughs> enough. But anyway,
0: it's preponderant. the preponderance of schools are succeeding, whereas they used to be failing. So I would have thought charter schools are a good thing for us, although unless you pay attention, who knows, really. You're assumedly paying more attention to it.
2: I'm paying a lot of attention to what's going on <clears throat> inside the charter schools. As a whole, I can't say whether charter schools are, are a good thing or not. First of all, I just I can't say it as a reporter. But right. second of all, I think that it's too complicated of an issue simplify it like that. I think that it really depends well, we on the charter organization. We still have more drinks. Right. <laughs> That'll simplify Maybe it after a couple of more of these kill.
0: <laughs> 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 what is this rum? There's a rum drink here yeah, from Hugo. So you have to take a sort of dispassionate opinion in public at least. But in your private life you must have a personal opinion. Does that
2: yeah, I have I have opinions about a lot of things. I just don't. I'm sure, you do. I don't know. But I thought
0: those days were sort of gone. I thought they were when they had a real media, you know. I thought now it's all Fox and CNN and everyone's got an opinion. I mean, you don't even CNN. They were supposed to be straight, but they all seem to have a this, you know, bit between their teeth, and they've got an angle. And MSNBC has gone all the way left, and Fox has gone all the way right. And
2: there are a lot of news organizations that uh, that do that, um, but I think that. You know, there's still a place for good old fashioned God yes, on. wouldn't it
0: be great if there really was, if you could get actual information instead of just bullshit opinions. Right. The news used to be that you turn on the T V or you pick up a newspaper and you got the facts and then you made up your mind what you thought.
2: Well I think um, yeah, that's that's what I'm aiming to do. I would
0: love to go back to that. And that's what the lens is all about. It's it doesn't have an axe to grind as it were.
2: There are um, opinions that are published on the lens, but they are published as opinions.
0: Editorials? Editorials, yeah. right. So, That's what, what we've got to get out of here because our hours are But, what do you read for your to? I mean, well, if you wanted to give some advice to someone listening to the show and said, where, where would you get actual facts about what the hell is going on in the world, or even just in New Orleans?
2: Well, um, I would read the lens, I'd read The Advocate. I, I think Gambit turns out yep. great stuff. Um, okay. Uh, Uptown Messenger is good. Um, that's pretty
0: limited. I'm um, t- something, something for if you want news about what's going on in Syria or news about what's going on in well, world politics or the economy. You want to actually to know I mean what's happening. Where, where do you turn?
2: I turn to the New York Times. I mean, I read that almost every day. I do watch CNN. Um, you know, Wall Street Journal.
0: Right. I mean so the Wall Street Journal has an opinion that's owned by Rupert Murdoch. I mean, that's a total right-wing... Organ as well, right?
2: I can't say. But yes. still have good reporters. Chris, you answer. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yes. Everyone knows but that. But they
5: still have reporters. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. The reporters are it's cool. Not, it's not like CNN. Yeah. It's not like CNN, <laughs> or, which is just Oregon. Or Fox. Sure. It's, right. It's still like, they still have hard news. See, what them. happened to CNN? CNN used to be the sort of... Well, Jeff Zucker took over that place. Jeff Zucker's the guy that put NBC in the toilet. Oh, really? And then got fired, and then... <laughs> Went up and they gave him CNN. Wow. Like he was the, the Today Show producer, so that's why CNN seems so much like the t- Today Show now.
0: Well, that's interesting. It's I didn't like, know oh no,
5: that. we we got to reach out to, you know, upperly mo- mobile females, and so like they softened everything up for that, or whatever they're doing. You know, they they have a plan. So
1: it's and all it doesn't of, involve news.
0: It's all Jerseylicious in one way or another.
5: <laughs> it's sad <laughs> Every, but true. You know, like it's all scripted. What what have I been uh, You know I read the Guardian for like it depends on the story like they're they're mm-hmm. they're good on that Snowden story which the uh-huh. NSA thing but even then it's like you look at that front page and it's it's about half fluffy stories right. too you're like I don't know I really don't know where you get hard news
0: you just Let's have to look at a bunch of different places I mean
5: with
3: the internet but who's you who's got can the, can do
0: the time to look at a bunch of different places that's the whole well, thing though. I
3: mean I download a bunch on my app as apps on what do you download
0: so. what are you looking at
3: Um, same things y'all are talking about I read New York Times every day I read The Guardian sometimes I read LA Times Um, I read Politico
0: Politico.com is a good one that's
3: good for US politics Mm stuff and sometimes they actually have politicians come in and give editorials which I mean once you know their politics you know which way they're slanted but it's still interesting to see their opinion Mm. Um, and I do read The Advocate every day I get the paper version Mm -hmm. as opposed to The Other Paper which doesn't do that anymore so you, know. you mean actually have a paper? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you say, So you read a lot, and you're up to date with what's going mm-hmm. on, for real? I try to, yeah. Wow. And Chris, too. But <clears throat> I wanted to add something to what you said, and that
3: is, I think there's a certain romance about the media in the past that even like 100 years ago, 200 years ago, papers, papers were very political-based, and they would have their opinions that they would try to foist on the public. Um, and you just have to understand where they're coming from. So. Um, the idea of a neutral media is kind of a modern romantic concept, um, but it's a good concept. I mean, you should be objective. You're going to be a reporter like Della, but, um, you know, I mean, in the past, it was heavily politicized. So if you knew you were going to pick this paper up, it was going to be pro-Democrat. If you picked that paper up, it was going to be pro Whig or
0: whatever. Ah, okay. Well, maybe that's when there was like a bunch of papers as opposed mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, no, yeah exactly.
3: Right. And that's the problem is, you know, there were multiple
0: papers. Right. And now there's now none. There's none. So, right. Okay. On that note, we're leaving. <laughs> we're finished. We've got one more drink left here. And as soon as we've done that we're out of here. Thank you so much for joining me. That's happy hour. No, that's I'm a, that's a whole that's I a whole a sixty couple. minutes. A Della Hassel, Dr. <laughs> Charles Chamberlain. And Chris Lee joined me, and Andrew Duhon is going to be back here next week. Also, Graham DePonte, our producer, joined in the conversation Yay, as well. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. That's been a great hour. Yes, That's happy hour for the week. Our producer is Graham DePonte. As I just mentioned, our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. And the theme song for Happy Hour was written by and is being played by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One <coughs> music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Era Studio monitors, and much more. You can find out more about that at presonus.com if you'd like to be on our show and you can sit upright for about an hour around the table. Drop us a line. Our address is on our website, where you can also check out other shows, such as More Happy Hours, and Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, live at Commander's Palace. We can hear the show about the drones just by searching for the word drones. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Page. True to the Game with Chris True and Tammy Nelson or our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community with the Vietnamese Terry Gross, Kim Vu and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans. Ray to Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter and a bunch of other times sucking social media as well on all of it where it's New Orleans. You can find the photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and Facebook. These photos are taken by the fabulous, talented Gorgeous Douglas Engel. There he is, right there, ladies and gentlemen, wearing black. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or our favorite podcast app, Swell, or some other podcast app of your own, thanks for subscribing to us. Take a moment to rate and review us. That will help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Casa Borrega on Aretha Council Haley Boulevard. Casa Borrega is a bar, a music venue, and a restaurant. Come on down and check it out. Happy Hours of production of INO Broadcasting for Orleans.com. Andrew Duhon's back here next week. Till then, for everyone sitting around the table here and everyone back at INO. I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining me. See you next time here on Happy Hour.